Welcome back to the Mental Golf Show. I'm Josh Nichols, and on today's episode, we talk about slow play. So, I want to talk about slow play. This has been all the rage on in the golfing world lately, um, and I am not immune to it. I want to be a part of this stream of consciousness that is people in the know talking about slow play and what they think is the solution, what they think is wrong, who is to blame, who isn't to blame, is it really that big of a deal? I think it comes down to a few factors, and I want to relate it to the mental game because I wouldn't be much of a mental coach if I didn't relate everything to the mental game. I only am half kidding, but um, yeah, so let's get into it. So if you haven't for some reason heard about the slow play issues that have uh, been surfacing lately, and you're listening to this podcast, then you must be lost. (laughs) So uh, recently in the Northern Trust Open, Northern Trust Open? I think that's what it's called. The Northern Trust, Bryson DeChambeau took a inordinate amount of time over a putt and some other shot during the tournament, and people took to Twitter mostly Twitter, social media in general, to roast him over how long he was taking. Um, And not long before that, in the Open Championship, J.B. Holmes was very outspoken about how long he was going to play and then inevitably did play a really long, uh, didn't take a long time. Um, And Brooks Kepka has, has been a notable player to call out J.B. Holmes, who had to play with him, I believe, in the final round of the Open, and then also uh, called out Bryson DeChambeau in the Northern Trust, which led Bryson to call out Brooks Kepka to say it to his face, and, you know, it created all this drama, and, and Bryson's right in the middle of it with a target on his back, even though the slow play issue has gone on, not just... Uh, months, not just years, but decades. It has always been an issue, but it seems to just uh, kind of pile on itself more and more as the years go by. It just seems to be more of a, more and more of an issue. And if you, like me, have played a just a regular round of golf out at your favorite golf course that you always play, it feels like the 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 transition from what the pros and how long they're taking uh, to the average golfer at the average golf course, it feels like that transition is uh, is in full effect. Because when you go out to play at your regular course, it feels like it takes forever, and it feels like every player um, is their own version of a tour player taking you know, looking at the ball from all angles, uh, taking in all the factors and, and backing off every time they feel uncomfortable. And it, it feels like, um, 
it's it feels like the pros are more relatable now than ever because they're just a tweet away. So it's like, I want to be like a pro. I want to take my time. I want to be deliberate over a shot. And I want to take in all the factors. And I want a yardage book. So that, the barrier between pros and average golfers is a huge sticking point for the slow play debate. Um, I don't know if there's like slow play gate or whatever. They always call these things gate. Uh, I feel like there's probably that for slow play, but I haven't seen it. There should be. So I think it comes down to a few factors uh, in the mental game space. There's, you know, there's factors that I can't, that I'm not qualified to talk about, like penalizing players or fines or new rules or new ways to go about it or uh, new ways to enforce it, you know, timing players, timing how fast people are walking. Um, there's all sorts of things that I am not qualified to speak on, but I will speak on the mental game aspects. And I don't know if I'm totally qualified about that yet either, but I am certainly more qualified to talk about the mental game aspects than the rules aspects. So I think it comes down to a few different factors. One, I think is decisiveness. Two, I think is the importance of the golf shot or uh, the value of the golf shot. And three, I think it comes down to reliance on different factors like uh, a caddy or a yardage book. Um, And those are the three kind of points I'll kind of get into. So first of all, um, we'll start with reliance on caddies and yardage books. So I feel like when you are reliant on another source, I won't go into, like, this won't be a long, drawn-out thing, I hope. Uh, I just want to kind of touch on these little mental game factors. But when you are reliant on another source outside of yourself, it's going to take longer. I think we can all agree if you... I guess there are certain circumstances where uh, a caddy could have arrived to the ball before you and they could have the yardage and the wind and the slope and all that before you get there. And being able to have that factor, uh, have that advantage of a caddy will shorten your time um, as opposed to you having to walk it off or shoot the yardage or look at your own yardage book or gauge the wind. Uh, Having a caddy in that aspect will... Will, slow, will speed you up, but when it comes to the point where you both arrive at the ball at the same time, you're both taking in all these factors, and and when it comes time to making the decision, you defer to your caddy, and you get your caddy's input, and they they have their own opinion, and they... Uh, they call you off the shot because they are not comfortable. They can tell you're not comfortable, so you're taking longer, even though you might have been comfortable. So this reliance on a caddy in this moment takes longer. And when you when you rely on a caddy, it takes it takes decisiveness away from you. And I know that's one of my other points, decisiveness. But when you have a second point of view, just like when you're in a captain's choice tournament, I just played in a captain's choice tournament today, you have three other players. Yes, you can get a read. Yes, you can see what club they shot or club they hit on a certain shot. Um, but at the end of the day, when you have three other talking heads telling you 
what to decide, what to do, it's going to take away from your own decisiveness. There's definitely value to taking in all the factors, getting doing all your homework, but the end goal is to hit a good shot. The end goal is not to be right. I think that is a theme of the mental game, and that's certainly a theme of this episode. The end goal is to be decisive, is to hit the end goal is to hit a good shot. The end goal is not to be right. So taking in the most possible information, doing the most homework uh, possible is not, if, if it doesn't directly contribute to you hitting a good shot, then you need to strip away. Just because all these factors help you be right do not mean they help you be decisive and do not mean they will help you hit a good shot. And that's the end goal. So when you have to look at a yardage book just to do your homework, just to like make sure and check all the boxes, make sure that you've that you come to as 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 close to a a correct read or a correct decision as possible, if that doesn't lend to you hitting a better shot, if that doesn't lend to you being more decisive on your shot, then it's unnecessary mental energy. It's unnecessary unnecessary time spent. And you being reliant on that thing just so that you can, in your own mind, be right is, is a wrong way to go about it. The goal is to hit a good shot. The goal is to be decisive, not to be right. There's a Bob Rotella quote, uh, it's better to be wrong but decisive than to be right and undecisive. I'll say it again. Uh, Bob Rotella says it's better to be wrong but decisive rather than being right and undecisive. So essentially, if you have a completely wrong read but you are completely bought into it, you're completely decisive on it, you will make a better stroke, you will hit a better shot, you will make you will hit a better putt than if you were right on your read, but indecisive and unsure and lacking confidence. So anytime a caddy or a yardage book comes into play and takes away from your decisiveness and in the interest of being right, then you are you're taking away from the end goal of hitting a good shot. So that goes into decisiveness. My uh, another point in this um, slow play meets mental game. Decisiveness um, is, I think, one of the like pillars of of hitting a good shot, of being confident of making a good swing, of making a good stroke. If you're decisive, then there's nothing left to get in the way of you having a free stroke or a, a free pass at it on the putting green or a, or a free swing at it. The more decisive you are, the better move you're going to make because there's no mental block there that, that says, oh, but am I wrong? Oh, but am I, do I have the wrong read? Oh, but uh, is my swing good? 
Am I going to hit a draw? You know, like, is my swing going to result in a draw or a fade? If you're decisive, then you know where to aim and you can let it go. And that decisiveness can, uh, will directly result in a better swing at it. It might not always be the best shot, but I would, I would say 99% of the time, a decisive swing with a well-chosen target, with a decisively chosen target, is going to be a better shot than a, a, correct, a correct target with an undecisive swing or mentality. So that leads to the third point that every shot holds the same value. Oh, and back to decisiveness and the slow play deal. If you if you're indecisive, if you are are not coming to a full conclusion, like uh even if it's a a half-baked half-baked conclusion, but you're dis- if you're not decisive on it, then you're going to take longer. You're going to back off, you're going to feel uncomfortable rather than saying, you know what, I don't need the yardage book. You know what, I don't need my caddy's input. I'm going to come to my own conclusion. It's 152. The wind is hurting five yards, so it's playing 157. It's uphill three yards, so it's playing 160. I want to land it three yards short, so it's playing back to 157. That's the yardage. There's nothing else to it. Yeah, the wind might be uh, 12 miles an hour rather than 11 miles an hour, and it might be four yards uphill rather than just three. But you came to a conclusion that 157 is your number. And that is a stock eight iron for you. So you hit that stock eight iron. And you see how quick that is rather than, well, okay, uh, is the wind coming out of the uh, east-northeast? Or is it coming out of just pure northeast? And is is it approximately 12 miles an hour or is it 10 miles an hour? Does that result in uh, five yards or four yards? And uh, all right, let's get out the yardage book. Exactly how much uphill is this? Oh, wait, it's four uphill, not just three. Okay, goodness. Uh, all right, so is that is that a full eight or is that half a seven now? Because it's it's a total of 159 rather than 157. And now I'm like, Introducing all these other things because I want to be right about my number rather than I want to be decisive about my number. So that leads to a bad mentality, but in the interest of this slow play debate, it it leads to a longer time spent over the ball, a longer time uh, deliberating about what to hit. Uh, so it leads to all sorts of problems. And uh, so going into the final point, that every shot holds the same value, this is kind of also an underlying theme of the mental game that I've always preached. Um, But it's important for this slow play debate also. Bryson, um, in another podcast that I listen to called the Foreplay Podcast, um, not recommended for all ages, but I enjoy it. Definitely has some explicit material, and uh, they're kind of fast and loose with their terminology. But I, I really do enjoy it. They, they kind of bring some fun into the game. Um, he did an interview with them shortly after the Northern Trust, and I caught one thing he said. Uh, he was trying to justify, you know, how long it takes to play, 
Um, and I'm casting him in such a simplistic light. He really did a good job in that hour-long interview of kind of laying himself out, raking himself over the coals, saying he can improve a lot. Um, and But he also defended himself a lot and, um, and, and said things like uh, this about every shot having the same value. He said, it's not your average round of golf. Um, and I, that just struck me like he's taking longer over shots in a tournament rather than a, uh, quote unquote average round of golf. And I really do wonder, I mean, obviously like the textbook way to go about it is, oh, it's a tournament. You should take longer. It's, it's more important. You should, you should, the shots have more value. You should, uh, pour more mental energy into them. Because it's a tournament. Uh, there's money on the line. There's points. There's uh, people standing around. There's my peers. There's Roy McElroy standing right there. I've got to take longer. I can't make this like I'm playing a two and a half hour round at my uh, back at my home course. But how many times have you heard of players that play in two and a half hours, professionals, at their home course, and they just drive around and shoot 63 real quick and then leave? And... Um, and whether or not they took a long time, that didn't matter. The time spent didn't matter. So the fact that it wasn't your average round of golf, Bryson says, shouldn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter the importance of the shot. Every shot has the same importance. Every shot, whether it's a five iron at your home course or if it's a five iron at the Northern Trust, that's the same five iron. Um like logically speaking, like scientifically, uh, literally speaking, that five iron is no different. But the value, the perceived value, the perceived importance that you put on it brings in all the factors of nerves and excitement and, and slow play and deliberation and trying to be right. Um, and that, that perceived value perceived importance that you put on the shot leads to slower play but it also leads to indecisiveness because now well this shot is more important i've got to give it more effort i've got to like really make sure i'm right on my final number and um and that will lead to slower play like it's a it's a catch 22 or or a snowball i don't know what the term is but it's like Slow play leads to indecisiveness, which leads to slow play, which leads to indecisiveness, and it's and it leads to worse shots, which leads to slow play, which now you're indecisive because you're hitting worse shots, and it's just all kind of uh, a snowball. I probably that's the right term, uh, not in the middle of August. It's not the right term, but it's a snowball effect that that compounds on itself. So once you wipe away the perceived importance of of a tournament shot over your average round of golf, then it takes away the indecisiveness. Like when you ride up to a 152 shot uh, at your home course, you're playing by yourself, you're zipping around in two and a half hours, you're probably just pulling out the the eight iron because you're like, oh, it's a little windy, it's a little uphill. I know this shot. It's 157. I'm just gonna hit my eight iron. It's just and you hit it and and it might end up 15 feet uh, at your average round. And it might end up 15 feet at your 
at your tournament round. It might end up closer at the tournament. It might end up closer at the average round. You know, it's like you you have this like spectrum of of uh, proximity to the hole that you're going to hit your eight iron. It's not going to be dramatically closer because you took a minute and ten seconds over it to figure out the right yardage. So, like I I really have no sympathy for slow play. Um, I have at times been a slow player. I've been accused of it, or not accused, that makes everyone else sound wrong, but I have been told that I'm slow, I've been uh, told that I'm deliberate, which is a nice word for slow, Um, and I have been told that I've sped up, uh, and I've gotten faster, and I, I actually think that came as a result of my mentality getting stronger, so I... um, I have no sympathy for slow play because I think the stronger your mind is, the faster you'll play. Um, and I don't know about penalizing players. I don't know the value of that. I don't know if that can help players play faster. I don't know. But I know that the stronger your mind is, the more decisive you are, the more each shot holds the same value, and the less reliant you are on other sources, is the faster you're going to play, is the better you're going to play is the more free you're going to play, the more fun you're going to have while you play. And like that could be a solution to, to faster play. And that's kind of my two cents on the slow play debate um, from the mental side of it. But then you get to like uh, something Justin Rose said. How much faster are we really going to make it? Well, he's right. Like in a in a PGA Tour event where it takes four hours and 45 minutes and you shave off 20 minutes because of a few seconds here and there share, uh, uh, saved over the course of a round, like, is that 20 minutes really going to matter? Like, am I going to watch the Northern Trust or am I going to watch the BMW or the Tour Championship? Am I going to be more drawn in because someone took 20 minutes faster than they would have? I don't know. I don't think so. But now it could be more dramatic when you talk, well, you can get around in two and a half hours at your home course. Like, why can't it be an hour faster than four hours and 45 minutes or five hours and 10 minutes or whatever it is? So the how much faster are we really going to make it point of view um, is, is valid. But I still have no sympathy for players that are totally indecisive, totally backing off the shot, walking around the hole, getting their caddy, pulling out the yardage book. Like I have no sympathy for this. Um, and I'm going to do this at times because I'm not perfect. I'm human and I have to take in factors and I'm indecisive. And, um, but I know in a, in a mentally strong player, like let's take Brooks Kepka for instance, he's been the best player over the last three years. Uh, with few exceptions, and he takes very little time. And I'm not saying good player equals fast or fast equals good player, but I'm saying decisiveness equals good player. And no shot having more importance equals good player. And reliance on nothing else or reliance on less outside of yourself means good player. And Brooks kind of exhibits those. He kind of... um He's kind of his own guy, and he's fast, and he's decisive, and it seems like the tee shot on the eight on the seventy second hole means nothing more than the tee shot on the third hole, 
or the the 26th hole. It's like every shot seems to have the same value for Brooks. And I think that goes uh I think that lends to him playing better. And like Tiger, like all shots hold 110% value. So he's the best at giving every shot the same value, but they're all the most important shot he's ever hit. So he's the opposite of lowering expectations. He's let's top out expectations and make every shot the same value, but it's the most important. So I think that decisiveness helps Tiger play good. So those three factors, decisiveness, every shot holding the same value, and reliance on other things like caddies or yardage books, I think are all factors that mentally strong players have uh, tied down and they have in the right perspective and they have in the, the right priority. So that's my, uh, that's my contribution to this slow play. Um, I hope this helped you. Uh, I hope this helps you enjoy the game more. I hope this helps you get better. Um, I think golf should be exciting. It should be exciting to watch. It should be exciting to play. And when we're caught up in players, uh, taking a long time and, and backing off and ourselves, if we're caught up in ourselves being indecisive and, and, having worries about what to do next and getting other inputs. And um, these things take away from the fun. These things take away from the natural flow and the freedom uh, that we probably once had or hopefully still will have uh, with golf because it is a fun sport. Like at the end of the day, we play it because it's fun and relaxing and peaceful and enjoyable and social and all these things. So let's get back to that. Let's let's have fun. Let's stay excited about the game. Um, and let's do it together. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Mental Golf Show. For more information, head to joshnicholsgolf.com or find me on social media at joshlukenichols pretty much anywhere. All right. I'll see you out there.